Welcome to the RS Technicast, where we bring you the latest in the world of computing, technology, science, and everything else in between. During each episode, a group of RS staffers will dig deep into some of the issues we've covered on the site. We will also talk about some of the other stuff we've been doing when we are not circling the RS Orbiting Headquarters. This week, we are dedicating our show to the singularity. Uh, no particular reason, except that this is a topic that came up in IRC recently, and we felt it was uh, it was a fun and interesting topic to discuss on our podcast. I'm your host, Senior Apple Editor, Jackie Cheng, and on this week's show, we have Open Source Editor, Ryan Paul. Hello. Our Microsoft Editor, Peter Bright. Hello. And our Social Editor, Cesar Torres. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we're talking about the singularity, which um, I, I'm sure someone else, probably Ryan, can give a better description to those who are not familiar. But it is generally speaking the uh, the theoretical way in which we will all be able to upload our consciousness after we die and live forever. Um, maybe Ryan can give us a better description here. All right. A, uh, the, the, the idea of the technological singularity, it's, it's actually about – um, the development of superintelligence, the idea that uh, self-improving computer systems will eventually evolve to the point where, uh, you know, the, the, uh, they, they transcend the capabilities of, of human cognition. And, um, you know, what happens next is, is, is a topic of great speculation. Um, you know, built into the idea of a technological singularity is this, this premise that we won't actually be able to predict what comes next because um, that stage of technological evolution will be so radical that uh, it's impossible to, to see beyond, you know, the, that uh, like kind of inflection point. Um, but, you know, a, a, a prevailing theory is that, um, you know, the it, it will pave the way for uh, you know a transhuman or posthuman state of existence. So my I I guess I personally Cesar asked us to to think about where we get our information about the singularity from, and I have to say I mean I don't really get my information from anywhere. I am um, I'm pretty much just relying on what what people tell me, but I. I sort of joke about the singularity because I don't really think that it will happen. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is in agreement or not. Well, the uh, the major proponent, I guess, is what's his name, uh, Ray Kurzweil. Ray Kurzweil and Werner Vinge. Um, he he. Well, Werner Vinge, I think, came up with the term, but it, it's right. Ray Kurzweil who's who's made a living um, promoting the advocating the, concept, the, the yeah. advocating the concept. Um, and it, I mean, it's it's it, it's kind of it's based on a extrapolation of Moore's law, really. Moore's law says that well, it, Moore's law says that um, transistor density will double every eighteen months, and that's used as a kind of proxy for processor speed will double every eighteen months. Right, exponential growth of computing technology. It's important to note, though, that we're, we're not anticipating Moore's law itself continuing that far into the future. There is a cap right. on Moore's law. So, so that the premise is once we have artificial right, there'd be an, another, chip, another kind of technology. It, 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 it can get faster every eighteen months, essentially. Right. Uh, and 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 ultimately, um, you know, the 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 chips would be able to. Um, Design themselves, 
um, to again, you know, push for ever faster intelligent chip. Well, there's the whole Herb Sutter line. The free lunch is over. It's time to move to right. parallelization and all that. And the only the only reason why Moore's law is still you know healthy and sustained at this point in time is because of breakthroughs like um, you know tri-state transistors and stuff like that. Um, but even Intel, like six or seven years ago, was was deeply concerned about the uh, you know that brick wall at the end of Moore's law. And and I think they still are. I mean, it you know there there are, yeah. there are ways of sort of pushing out a bit further. But um, once we get to ten nanometers and beyond, it's looking difficult. Um, and and getting increasingly expensive. Um, the, 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 I saw some graphs recently. I can't remember who from. Um, in, in the past, each process improvement, which allows these doublings, has kind of paid for itself pretty quickly. That's going to be difficult in the future. So, so seeing where these gains are going to come from is difficult. I mean, the, the, it, such computer intel, artificial intelligence may not be on silicon chips. It could be. Um, Right, nanotechnology no, or like nanotechnology. quantum computing. There are yeah. all sorts of other possibilities, but it's um, it's it's that, really just the the idea of this like exponential growth curve yeah. with uh you know a steady a steady rate of progression that that kind of um fits into the picture here. You know, it's you know the specific technology. You know, it just is kind of um you know tan kind of a tangent, I guess. Well, and you know the. To, to bring it back to that last question that Jackie tossed out there, uh, you know, what do you think of it? Uh, for me, it's it's something that I I really don't <laughs> believe is coming, uh, mostly because of uh, expectations about it. It you know, there's there's uh, there's the future to look forward to, but uh, that's something that generally science fiction writers have been really good at. And I want to talk a little bit about the connection between science fiction and uh, science and what some people like Ray Kurzweil are doing, which is to uh, project uh, what we currently know about computing and biology, medicine, and to say, yes, it's going to um, push us beyond our, our, our limits as human beings. Uh, to me, that, those are questions that are so exciting to think about from the side of fiction, and you can really push that far and wide. But interestingly enough, for me, it actually grounds me a lot. It makes me think so much about uh, the actual limitations of at least what I understand about science and the brain and human cognition, but also about human nature. Uh, I have a lot of questions about what the singularity might mean uh, in terms of what does it mean to be human, and can we ever get past that because I think we as human beings will if, if it's possible we will limit or prevent the, the singularity from happening because we will kill each other or eat everything that's available on the earth before we can interject real quick I think that like sing the term singularity is so loaded like it seems like we're really what we're really talking about here is is transhumanism um, absolutely you know the state state of of um, technological advancement. At, you know at which human being ceases to be strictly human being in the biological sense. You know, and I think that the two are often conflated and perhaps related. So, you know, you I, I guess Borg, it's just Brian. A, huh? That, do you want to be a Borg? Is that what you're saying? Well, I just think it's an important distinction to articulate. Mm. I, I thought it was just I just wanted to get that out. You know, before we continue here. So we're going to be all Borgs and Cybermen. I don't really want that. I mean, personally, I, I, I mean, I said this in IRC, but I am not a 
if if it comes to that and that happens in my lifetime, I want to opt out. <laughs> I don't even want to be involved personally. Yeah, I don't know. I would love. I would. I mean, there there is sort of there there are practical things. I would like better eyes. I would. Yeah. I would like. I would like to have. Well, you know, uh, not not just sort of human vision, but beyond. Um, I, I I would like to have my. Um, high frequency hearing reinstated. So there are lots of kind of small incremental improvements that I would like, um, you know, sort of fusing my body with technology. And I, I don't think I have a sort of problem with that, you know, if I had like electronic eyes, I'd be a bit geordie, but you know, it, I, I, I think I could, I think I could live with that. I, I don't want a hairband over my eyes. I want, I want his, um, his implants. Well, and you certainly, one of the things that's exciting about this is, uh, not knowing what where this can go. So, for example, in sports, you know, you look at uh, Olympic athletes uh, augmenting whether it's our genes or our ability to regenerate tissue or to grow right, tissue. Right. Yeah. It could make for amazing events, right? That are superhuman against superhuman. We might not even call it that. I mean, you could argue that even things like steroids already do that. Uh, so, so it is exciting to to speculate but i am just so dubious about it to me it reeks of uh what some people might use as uh faith right like god is coming or the, the <laughs> there's going to be a savior who comes and gets us and some of this feels that way to me like th this this great horizon is uh on our on its way and we will be better off from it yes i i'm dubious about that there's definitely like this quality of of you know singularity philosophy and transhumanism where it's kind of viewed as this like virtual apotheosis, and you know I, I can definitely understand being you know cynical about that. I, I think that um, you know we've seen all of these major advancements in technology that have taken us forward in in astonishing ways, and they all come with good and bad. And I think this idea that it, it you know it will it will you know, elevate us to the point of godhood or whatever, you know, this kind of spiritual aspect to it is is definitely dubious. Our editor-in-chief, Ken Fisher, is now joining us uh, mid-podcast. Hi, Ken. Greetings. I heard y'all were talking about the singularity. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, what are your, what, do you have anything to add to this? What are your thoughts on singularity? Jeez, uh, where to start? Um, <clears throat> well, as a super highly intelligent human being who has very little need for computers, I, of course, am very, very suspicious of all of this faith being put into silicon. Um, no, in all seriousness, I, I don't count myself as a fan of the singularity. I think it's kind of a, a fantasy in the same way that I grew up as a kid expecting to fly a jet car. You know, it seems to make a lot of sense. You, you think about it. $300,000, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it, and then you, and then I, you'll I crash really and die happen. horribly. I think it's yeah. <laughs> well, so the you, fuel so, costs. Yikes! So, is, so is, I, I, I suspect we're all kind of in agreement that um, singularity is up there, right up there with um, warp drive and transporters. It's it's that kind of. I'm I'm not sure we have any major proponents of the, of the of the idea. I mean, I well, certainly think that that artificial intelligence of you know something respectably intelligent will happen at some point. You know, not just some um, text to speech or, or speech to text or some narrow thing, but some general purpose computerized in some sense 
What are you saying? Siri is not intelligent? <laughs> I am definitely saying that Siri is an intelligent. Oh, my but, God. Yeah, I, 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 I don't see any, any problem with that happening. Yeah, Siri I, isn't going to pass I, a Turing test anytime soon. No, no. But, you know, I think it'll be um, computationally quite expensive. I don't think we'll necessarily understand how it works. And it, I don't think it'll be sort of easy to overclock and make it run faster so at the end of the day we will have produced something that's you know you know my suspicion is we'll have produced something that's basically as smart as a person but costs a lot more myself i don't even know what it means to be as smart as a person i i keep thinking about the future and augmented humanity and the kinds of of i guess futurism i get excited about are the are, are the the kinds that meet actual problems? So Juan Enriquez, uh, who is a brilliant man, also lives in Boston and is a, a leading thinker on the future. He's the one who coined this this name Homo evolutus uh, as a as a kind of nod to where humanity is going. And the the idea is that we will become a self augmented species in the future. But his thinking is attractive to me, not because I like the idea of having a bionic fist so I could knock out people who irritate me, but the fact that I can see why you're going to need it. His argument, for instance, if you'll let me briefly recap, is that with the growth of entitlement spending in most westernized countries, people are going to have to work longer. And I'm not talking about working to the age of 55 for Greeks. I'm talking about working to the age of 85. And the only way this is going to be possible is basically through augmented humanity, mostly muscular, skeletal augmentation. Uh, I also think war is heading in that direction. I can see lots of places where all this works, but the idea that, oh, we're just going to have so much processing power that we're just going to have a human-like intelligence spontaneously appear and have great deep thoughts and take us into the bold future. It feels really amorphous, and, and I think part of that is because it's it's not a longing to solve any particular problem um, unless you include the desire for immortality as one of those problems. Right. I, I That's, that's kind of what I was saying earlier, sort of jokingly, about how I would want to opt out because I... I personally don't have any desire to be immortal, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I certainly agree that I think in the future, in the near future, probably, I mean, we will be working for quite a bit longer than we currently do. Um, so I mean, that actually kind of introduces the the idea that I mean, ahead of the singularity, before we reach singularity, I mean, we are gonna we're gonna start augmenting all sorts of parts about us. I mean, not just you know, bionic arms and stuff, but, but brain implants and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? If, if that was, if that became an option, would you go for it now? I certainly would. I think that, um, you know, anything that enhances human capabilities, um, opens the door for achieving greater things than we have thus far. Um, and I think that's very, that's very exciting and compelling to me. I, I would argue against that actually. For example, if we had the ability to actually remember, to use our memory uh, as a true record of everything that happens to us, I think that would be a horrible existence. So every time you've, you've uh, 
been in a car crash or you lost somebody dearly or you went through a breakup, uh, that, you can that, relive that would that be just as alive yeah. every and day. Part of human memory, uh, it, the beauty of it is that, is that it forgets certain parts and then we tell ourselves a narrative uh, that makes sense to us and helps us kind of deal with painful situations, including physical pain. So uh, I, I don't think I would want something like that as an example. I have a question, though, um, for you, Cesar. I mean, and I don't know the answer to this. Um, but but is it that our our memories don't remember, or is that we choose not to go back into our memory and remember? Because I I I, I, I just I see there being a difference between the two. And yeah. I know a lot of people who seem to get really stuck in tragedy, you know, and it seems mm -hmm. like it, it's it's almost like a human thing to sometimes want to wallow in the past, like you're warning about. Yeah, I, I I think the at least from the the research that I've seen, it's probably the it's supposed to be I think the latter that um, mo most research points to that that uh, our brain chooses to to gloss over certain parts, but our brain is also very good at just taking in all this input. Uh, and I would also say you know people also always talk about oh the brain the brain you know the, our brain will get augmented, but basically all of our organism if you include the nerves and skin. Uh, even your gut, all the, the nerve endings there, you, you know, your one giant brain made up of organs. So uh, I don't know if I'd want to remember every single well, stomach we could, I've gotten. Yeah. I, I would hope we'd also gain the technology to go the other way. Other way. What's that damn film called? The one with thingy sure. and uh, um, all, I, all I remember is the trailer playing uh, Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. Excellent song. Uh, what's, the, what's the film called? No idea. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's oh, yeah. the one. Oh, yeah. oh, the Jim you Carrey know, movie, yeah. Jim Carrey and someone else. I want to say Kate Winslet, but I don't think it is. Um, you know, point yeah. deletion of specific memories. Um, and to to go to, back to to, to go no. in kind of I mean it's it's kind of the opposite direction. Yeah. You'd hope you'd hope you'd get both technologies at once. If we get one, we want we want the other. One of the issues that's interesting, and that's to to answer what you're saying, what you're asking, Ken. Uh, there's a lot that we still don't know about the brain. Like all the research that we've done, we we still haven't quite figured out uh, everything that it does. But meanwhile, we have our own technology that we've built that imitates brains and processing power of a brain. So uh, if at some point it supersedes it, I guess that's where we start talking about the singularity. We can actually augment what we, what we can do, but we still, as, as a species, we don't exactly know how our brain truly works. You know, I would even go further than than where how far you've gone Cesar and I I'd, I'd say that we don't know anything one of the things about the singularity that gets me fired up why why I wanted to join this podcast is 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 actually the the extreme positivism on display uh by fans of singularity starting um with with Ray Kurzweil himself uh it, it's just this in I think rather insane optimism about how much we know and how close we are to knowing. Um, I, I was at a talk once, I think, where Ray said that uh, that while there's a Moore's law for chips, there's also a Moore's law for neurology, and uh, I, I couldn't imagine that to be true unless the starting point for our knowledge about the brain was what's next to you know <laughs> nothing, and quite recently nothing, uh, because uh, even areas we think are well known. We don't know much about uh, recent uh, news has has broke about 
the placebo effect and selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and whether or not you can actually even treat depression with these drugs. Um, you know, this is something that we've been doing for a long time and apparently there's no statistical uh, meaning to some of these effects. So I, I think that we have a habit of really overstating how much we, we even know about the brain. And, and to me, the idea that we're on the cusp of some great neurological revolution is, is kind of laughable. So here's here's a question though along those lines because you know I mean while while we're far away from implants you know one area where there is a lot of uh, very rapid uh, advancement is um, you know like like pharmaceuticals so I'm curious what everybody thinks about nootropics the uh, you know the idea that we could use um, you know chemicals to uh, to elevate consciousness and have some of these you know some of these um, kind of transhuman effects that. Uh, that, that people attribute to singular, singularityism. One of the things, I guess, you know, my response right away would be consciousness is something, I hate to be this guy, but I mean, it's another one of these things where, you know, find me somebody who can identify what it is, and then we could have a talk. Um, but consciousness is something that, I mean, thankfully for all the philosophy of mind professors out there, uh, has not been has has not been cracked, right? So neurologists don't talk about the so-called theater. Um, you know, people call it the theater of perception, theater of awareness, theater of whatever. But but this this phenomenon of consciousness is not understood at all. Where it happens, why it happens, um, in in what time does it happen? You know, we we ourselves believe that we're living in the moment, but studies show that we're we're not. You know, our consciousness floats in the past. We're kind of constantly playing catch up to reality. Um, I think this is a really good point, actually, because, I mean, think about even the research that's being done right now into, you know, really intelligent animals like dolphins and elephants. I mean, we're still having a hard time even determining whether they are, they have some kind of consciousness. And if they do, how does it compare to human consciousness? Sorry about my cat meowing into the microphone uh cats but, are sadly not intelligent yeah sharing his consciousness <laughs> right. so since we don't we barely understand it in ourselves and and certainly not in animals so how can we at this point determine you know what what does that mean to to you know <laughs> cats, I, I don't think cats have human have any kind of consciousness personally but uh you know that i think that's a perfectly valid point you know, one of the things that I find interesting, and this is more from science fiction, so uh, I don't actually have anything to support this from as a reference from science, but uh, there's there's really interesting concepts about the human species as a super organism that would be no different than a termite hill or an ant colony, uh, where there is an actual living thing that is made up of the millions and billions of them, and that they serve some sort of collective purpose. To me, understanding consciousness on that plane, too, would be really great, but I don't see a lot of um, uh, research or coverage talking about it that way, that as a species, maybe we are doing something very meaningful, uh, even if we're pretty destructive, but uh, we don't think of ourselves on that on that term on those terms I, I think that's because ultimately those questions are metaphysical in nature anytime I find someone waxing uh, uh, poetically about what the animal kingdom does or what this one species does they start to anthropomorphize or if they don't anthropomorphize they start talking about things in a language of causation that I find really uncomfortable you know like 
the this this species evolved to horn so it could do this thing for future and of course evolution doesn't work that way right evolution isn't purpose driven um and, and, and I think that sometimes when we get into consciousness questions, we're getting exactly into what you're talking about, Cesar, questions about purpose, questions about why are we here, where did we come from. Um, you know, my background, uh, aside from, you know, being tech dude, is, of course, the study of religion. And, um, you know, consciousness is the location of where God is found in history for most Western theologians because they can say, you know, well, I drop this rock, it falls to the ground. I do this, it does that. You know, I pour water, it runs downhill. All these kinds of things, one standout exception that you cannot predict, analyze, is consciousness. And so that's where theology takes root. Precisely, I think, to get at this point we're all talking about right now, precisely because it's such a vague, uh, unclear, totally unknowable, at least at present, seemingly mysterious place where we all happen to live every moment of our waking lives. So it's a super attractive place to start theorizing and looking for those things. Um, but but it also, I think, is always worth reminding that we, we really actually have no understanding of it either. Framing everything through the through ourselves is kind of a problem as a, that we have as a species. You know, we want, like you said, we want to make animals resemble us in some way. We want objects and technology to also imitate or, or uh, perform things that, that we feel are about ourselves. But I think we have to start with... Uh, who are we? What is consciousness? Because also, you know, my consciousness, how I'm understanding this podcast right now and hearing you guys through the headphones, what if it makes sense to me, but it's something completely whacked out to you guys? I would have never have a, a, a true uh, way of knowing what your consciousness uh, is compared against mine. And, and th- th- I guess that's you get right back into philosophy, don't you? It, it, <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't necessarily matter. Why not? I mean, if if you're taking the the sort of singularist view, um, it, it it we don't need to necessarily know how these things work or what their true nature is to be able to um, create these artificial intelligences, for example. Um, yeah, you know, I I don't think ever, anyone's ever going to be progr- writing some. C program or Lisp program that is intelligence. It's not going to be like if this, then that, and or else do this. It's it's not going to be like that. I, 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 th- I think it'll be some kind of um, either some sort of unenlightened replica of neurons in a human brain, or some kind of complex system that's allowed to create these emergent behaviors and it we don't necessarily need that insight that the system would work even even without this insight so whilst the insight would be probably quite useful to have <laughs> and, and 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 probably make de- development of these systems much easier and and actually allow all sorts of other things um like it it it'd be nice to know how perception worked because then you could integrate things into your brain much more easily. I, I, I would see, expect, I but I don't think we need it. I don't think people actually want augmented 
bodies or realities or consciousness. I think well, this is about people's I, I fear think, of I think, death. I think, I think if you ask particularly people who've lost their sight due to yeah. accident or illness, I think if you, you know, I, 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 I don't necessarily think that all of them would want it, but if you, if you offered them the ability to have some kind of augmentation that uh, would let them see again, I, I think well, you'd have quite a lot of people who wanted it, and I, and I think from I there, it, you see, I think yeah. from there, it then becomes a actually quite a small leap to say, well, okay, you know, I mean, there are those sort of very early experimental prototype systems that give very crude vision, but you know, you, you could see how that would be extended to give something that's reasonably analogous to standard. I, I just and, think implicit, and, that, and, and, and I don't know, I don't know why people would would reject that out of hand. I think some people would. I mean, to, you know, we, on, have, we have the Amish who, who reject all sorts of technology, but I don't think everyone would. To build on what Peter is saying, you know, I think that a really important point is that we really don't have to understand the full mechanics or the metaphysics of consciousness in, in order to, you, you know, produce the the you know a technological reproduction or a facsimile or you know some kind of emergent system that 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 uh, reflects those characteristics or qualities that we consider consciousness. I don't think we need to fully reverse engineer it or understand it at, you know, every layer of the infrastructure in order to be able to create it. Um, and, and, you know, and similarly, I, I think that, you know, there are a lot of ways that we can, we can have technological and chemical augmentations w without having to understand, you know, the, the full in mechanism in entirety. You know, a lot of a lot of me medications, you know, from from pharmacology, they don't understand the full mechanism. They just know that A does B, right? And I mean, we are we already have drugs that effectively increase focus, improve cognitive cognitive abilities, um, stave off um, degradation of of cognitive ability, and so I, you know, I really don't think it's all that far fetched that that you know the these kinds of of drugs or or technologies could eventually um, you know, advance to a point where, where, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, sort of transhuman cognitive function. I'm with you on that argument. I just feel like implicit in all of the, the excitement about the, the, the singularity is that, um, one, uh, people are saying to themselves, I, I'm not happy with my consciousness or my experience of the world. Somehow I need something more. I, I, I can sort of understand that, I guess, because maybe you're curious. But right, right there with it is this, this concept of I, I don't want to die. If, if there's some way I can carry on beyond what I, what I can do, that's what I'd like to see happen. And Ray Kurzweil certainly sounds like that when you see the interviews with him and, and you read his books. You know, he's very fixated on moving past uh, into, into into time, and I don't know where that comes from. I I, I don't respond to I, it personally. I, 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 I think that 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 aspect is kind of overstated. There are definitely people in the movement who who advocate that kind of that kind of viewpoint, particularly like uh, I believe Aubrey Gray or or some of those people. But there there is another facet to this that that I think is often overlooked, and that's that's about expanding our you know our our capacity to perceive and understand the world. If we can imbue ourselves with with senses or or um, or, or capabilities that we didn't have before, I mean, it could completely transform our understanding of of our place in the universe. And I think that 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 elevated understanding is is really the at the core of this pursuit 
you know, of, of the technological singularity. You know, it, it's, you know, people who want to have these questions answered. Um, and I think there's really very much this kind of like doors of perception kind of element to it where it's about expanding our, our understanding and our ability to perceive the world. Isn't that what drugs are traditionally for? <laughs> well, sure, and but you know, but I I, I, I don't I'm think there's sure, any you know sure Timothy Leary towards the end was podcast. really into futurism because Timothy Leary said technology this is the next step you know the the right. uh, the, the counterculture movement of the sixties they use drugs to get there and you know technology can take it to another level. Philip K. Dick too he this was like yeah. his last big push was that project where it was just notes and, and transcripts and it, that's all he was concerned about being able to transfer this this body of information that he had apparently gleaned from his own experience and giving that to to the world so i mean i i think personally if if i had this opportunity because it, i feel compassionate or i feel an urge about the environment and having people understand i guess what we do as a species to to the environment if some of this technology allowed us to understand how uh, plants grow or how pesticides actually impact different species or kill off species, that would be pretty cool. I, I mean, I would be like, sign me up. You know, it may be painful, but hopefully it would actually help people sort of say, yeah, we, we should pay attention to the environment a little more. I mean, there, if you think about like, like, think about what it would be like to go through life without sight, like, you know, Peter was alluding to earlier. Now imagine like a whole nother sense that we don't have yet that we could potentially obtain through, through these technological advancements. I mean, that to me is just tremendously compelling. That's the aspect of this that I find really appealing. I, I hear what you're saying. That, that would be really terrific too. I just, you know, I, I don't even sort of think of it as, as truly real, but Sure, like if I could, are you saying sort of like, can I like augment my computational ability with my brain or somehow be able to uh, have more, like. Just to be able to perceive reality like through new dimensions and, and yeah. new, new angles and aspects of it that are just, they're just not apparent to us because of the limitations of our, of sure. our biology. Sure. I'd like to well, see an I infrared. Why not? I don't know that you can actually sustain the argument, though, that we are limit that our problems, intellectually speaking, are limits brought by biology. Period. <laughs> I I just don't see that as being really all that convincing, and I I should say why I guess, um, and the reason for that I guess is that we we already know. Um, pretty much without any doubt, a number of things. And it doesn't change human behavior. I, I think that we might be putting too much faith, if you will, in intelligence as the driver of human behavior. Um, I, Jeez, I wish I could remember. I'm sure it was the Star Trek movie, but it was, <laughs> it was one of the later ones, I think. Someone pointed out... Uh, you know, that, that one of mankind's uh, greatest deceits, self-deceits, and of course I use mankind in a total uh, androcentric way, and I apologize for that, uh, that one of, one of mankind's greatest self-deceits is its uh, belief that it is a rational animal. Of course, there is nothing further from the truth. We are not born thinking reason. Uh, we do not reason naturally, and we are really bad at reasoning. Uh, what we are are emotional 
beings, that is beings that are organically driven by organs in our bodies that react to stimulus, stimuli, and, uh, and, and our intelligence is, is unfortunately just one piece of that. So I, I, I actually think if we needed a singularity, I'm going to suggest something really ridiculous here, but I think if we were going to say, what's going to save humanity, I don't think it's going to be the world's fastest brain. Um, I would much rather have the world's, I don't even know what you would call it, but uh, instead of intelligence, give me a big fat computer that allows everyone to finally properly empathize. Because to me, empathy is far more important than intelligence for creating a productive, happy society. It's our ability to see things from each other's perspective and to understand those things in a quite emotional context that is, I think, most lacking. I don't think uh, any amount of information is, for instance, going to change someone's personal view about whether or not Earth, for instance, was created for the use of humans, period. I, I just... I, you know, I keep saying period at the end of sentences because I'm wearing a headset <laughs> and I'm so used, I'm so used, used to, to the using voice dragon. Yeah, I, I'm uh, sorry for that. I totally, I actually agree with that. I think that that's part of the reason that I've been so sort of resistant to the idea of, of even participating because I'm not very interested in, in participating in anything that's purely, you know, data driven or information driven. I think that if it were something more like what you described, like more of an empathy, you know, thing where it's almost, almost kind of Borg-like, uh, in, in a way in terms of being able to share the experiences of other people, um, I think that is much more interesting too than than just a pure like you know uploading your knowledge type type of theory. It's also I'll say I'll say really quickly. It's also I think worth noting. I mean I'm not that old. I'm you know I'm in my 30s. I'll go on the record as saying that, but I have four <laughs> I have four children. And I have five degrees. So I have done a bit of schooling. And I can say without a doubt that the most difficult thing I do, the most trying thing I do, the thing I understand the least is parenting. I mean, it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, coptology, Greek, reconstructing missing sentences from a manuscript with holes in it is a cakewalk compared to <laughs> dealing with a three-year-old. And, and, and I will tell you that uh, you know most of human history, right, is just the story of kids when they grow up, if you catch my drift. And um, I, I don't think any singularity machine is ever going to help with that kind of stuff. I, I think that the hard part of being a human is not intelligence. I think it's, it's, it's just a tool, um, and we're driven by something else. And I know that wasn't as short as I promised. But couldn't enhancing our intelligence also give us more insight and depth of understanding and all of these other things that matter so much? Uh, definitely some. I just think the idea that that it's an event horizon, I, you know, to borrow, you know, another idea yeah. from singularity, that it's an event horizon that you cross and you, you can't even see beyond this event horizon because it's going to be so radically different. That to me just seems ridiculous. There's a selflessness uh, about some of these concepts, for example, <clears throat> uh, well, not selflessness, but the 
Let me rewind. In, in the singularity uh, discussions, there's often a lot of talk about I, eventually I will transfer my consciousness, my brain, my, my being into something that goes forward or some other mechanism or receptacle. And off it goes. I, I guess I'm a little pessimist about human nature. I think a lot of people aren't selfless enough or, or bold enough to just let, let go of what they think is their consciousness. And I think that's, if we ever were at that point where we can decide to do this, I think a lot of people wouldn't choose it. I, I just don't think uh, right. human right. nature is, is made that way. I think if this even happens, it'll be driven by people wanting to live forever, uh, because that's that's where the money's living. That's what's yeah. healthcare spending. It's these old people clinging on to the last few miserable months of their lives. <laughs> oh my God! They just do not want to. Die. No, it's it's true. People. Well, that's, that's and that's actually, kind of what, if, what you find in the medical profession is that they don't actually have all these ex extraordinary. You know, doctors for themselves reject these extraordinary measures because they know it's it. There's no quality of life there, but it's it's tremendously expensive. But people just want to cling on to their lives, and and even if it costs a million bucks to, to live another week, they'll say, yeah, just do it. The insurance company's paying. I don't care. That's basically what and, what and, Sister was saying. But that some you know a lot and, of people would be driven by the the fear of yeah. death. And, and but I think that's. I think that's the only thing that will drive it. I, I, either that or some military application, because that, that's where the money is. There's a, you know, no no one's going to fund some incredible research for something selfless. You know, it, there's there's yeah. no money in empathy, um, but there is money in living forever. And I just think you know whether it's religion or the singularity, a lot of people, if they truly understood what those concepts are supposed to sort of be like, just a speculation. I just don't think people are ready for that. You know, if we die and our our soul, let's call it that they're, you know, soul, that let's say it gets transferred on to some other place, ethereal or whatever. People, I think, still have expectations that they'll have a body, they'll be able to speak or live in a reality at that time that feels like what they have now. I, first of all, I don't even know if any of that happens. I, I, I'm a doubter, right? And uh, I, I just feel like people are selfish that way. Human nature is very selfish. You want things your way and you want your little piece of it. And some of these concepts in the singularity have more to do with just um, something we can't even wrap our heads around. And I just don't think people would commit. I know I wouldn't. <laughs> I would That makes either. me human. Yeah. There's a lot of anxiety around ends of life issues, um, probably for obvious reasons. But I think it's interesting to note that even in traditions that are pretty uh, well studied and well known that uh, there is a great degree of disagreement about what end of life is for those. Um, to pick a tradition I'm familiar with, you know, the New Testament early church context, there is no description of the afterlife. There's not even an agreement as to whether or not you have a physical body or not. So you have people who have been you know, or traditions, I should say, that have are, are based on revelation. That is, the knowledge is imparted to them uh, by some some means, non scientific means, and even the content of the revelation is not particularly clear how how it's going to be when it's all over. So, I I think that everything about the end of life is shrouded in that, and it's it's part of human history. But I totally agree that what you're going to see is people with money 
driving towards these solutions because they want to live forever. And it's in some ways it's the oldest, right? It's the oldest human desire on record. It, 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 and that's what feels kind of cheap and, and cheesy about the singularity to me is I feel like uh, I feel like I might as well be in pharaonic Egypt, except for now I've got computers and air conditioning. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same kind of fantasy. Well, and Clinique yeah. for the face. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah, but, you know, but like, you, see, you, see, you see, that's something like that I you know if 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 dying just meant being um, uploaded into the matrix. And you know, ha- having our kind of—I don't want to say soul because I don't—I don't believe in the metaphysical, but you know, having our kind of essence, our intellectual essence, um, stuffed into some intelligent computer. And you know, okay, we wouldn't have a physical body, but we wouldn't need one because um, to to to, uh, to to go all matrix on you. We don't really know if if this input to our physical body is real input anyway. We we would right. never be able to tell the difference. Um, so the fact that we would be wandering around in a in a computer sort of simulation, um, I, I don't see that as 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 being a problem. If if that's how people live forever, then that's how they live forever, and I think people would still go for that. I I, I would I, I you know I don't have a that that doesn't trouble me that concept. I I could see that that could be quite. Um, Quite interesting. Now, of course, as the resident uh, editor here, I feel as though we have to be very clear to our listeners, uh, lest they feel that we're advertising something. There should be an asterisk next to forever, uh, because no matter what we think about the singularity, um, I think we're probably all in agreement that the singularity is not a eternal solution. Uh, even if they manage to get the big singularity computers off of Earth before our star explodes, the it's ever-expanding galaxy is absolutely going cold at some point, and machines disagree. will simply uh, fail to dude, work. We are we are never getting off this rock. I, I'm going to disagree <laughs> because never I, I think that. Okay, I'm going to disagree with Ken, though, because I think that in a post-human state of existence, there's no reason why our perception of time would have to be even remotely the same as what it is now. I just, I don't even think that the longevity of the universe is even remotely relevant at that point. I will also back, up, she, back Ryan up on that, too. Uh, but but I have, I'd have to ask, though, I, I'm not, aren't, aren't all machines and aren't all things that have electron orbitals, by definition, trapped in time? Everything's gonna look. The universe is gonna the run out of energy run out of eventually. Yeah, Every, the machine everything will. will just be uniformly cold, no structure. Yeah. That, but that's, um, I, I I think um, even if we were operating, even if we could build a hugely robust machine that could actually last until the heat death of the universe, um, I think we would go mad long before that ever became an issue. Well, as and soon if, as we run out of bacon. <laughs> Virtual bacon. Yeah, if we uh, if we're going to speculate this hard, I mean, this, I I agree with Ryan. Actually, I think by then we would have a better understanding or better technology to uh, transfer whether it's consciousness or information into 
something that doesn't need to have machines, right? We could just, why not put it onto rocks that are cold and just send it off into space and somehow we still carry on. Um, there's lots of possibilities for that. And that that's, I, I guess, of course, my problem with this. It sounds too much like science fiction, but mm -hmm. at that point, if we've gone that far, then it doesn't matter. We can just leave this galaxy or uh, go out into like the vacuum of space. But we even existing in some kind of quantum computing system, I mean, we could experience, uh, you know, a veritable infinite number of eternities within, uh, within, you know, what we would temporally call an instant, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's tantamount to, to, you know, eternity at that point. I, I think that is, that is so complex that I think that's where we're going to stop. <laughs> yeah, I think we should just note that Peter, Peter and Ken have severe reservations about the perception of time issue. Yes. I have, well, I'm, I'm not going to weigh in because I'll just drag it out longer. So <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for I, I, joining us. I feel us. I'm, I'm just getting started here and we're being cut off. I, 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 I'm, I'm sad. I, I, want, I want to tear into Ryan because I, Stay tuned. I, I think he's insane. It's Stay unfortunate that we're out of time. Hours. <laughs> next, for the next three hours of debate as we wrap up this conversation <laughs> uh, yeah so thank you everyone for joining us uh, thank you Ryan and Cesar and Peter and Ken for uh, for being on this podcast um, this may or may not go public so thank you for everyone who's listening and we will be back next week <laughs> <laughs>